Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I absolutely love you guys. I listen to you all the time. And I laugh at myself more than anyone. And the way that you guys made fun of me and had fun with me. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. All right. So that's all part of the malarkey, as we called it. This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, who do we have today? We have Chef Brian Malarkey! So excited about this. So excited. <laughs> Brian Malarkey, just recently on Tournament of Champions with the Voltagios, and he is the San Diego-based chef and juggernaut behind Urbanwood, but we're supposed to pronounce the H, Herbenwood, Herban Sea, Herban Ranch, Anami, which is, what, your Japanese concept, but more than anything, you might know him from season 17 of Top Chef. Everyone's favorite heel, the guy who was playing the game within the game, Brian Malarkey. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm currently making ice cream right now for breakfast on a quick fire challenge. All right. <laughs> it never works out. I'm just telling you, it's not going to work out. I know. You know, I came in second in the dessert challenge. It was a quick fire challenge. I made a wood fire cake, ice cream, and a sauce and almost won. It's true. I, I should not I should not question the greatness of Brian Malarkey. Yes. I was practicing for when the time that a dessert actually came up <laughs> that I'd be ready for it. And I was. All right. So to give everybody context, uh, you, you, you might hopefully you have listened to our recap of uh, Thursday night's episode. This is a bonus take inventory. Brian Malarkey is going to offer us over the course of this episode his power rankings because we're down to 10 chefs, contestants on season 18 in Portland. And right about the time we've had enough throat clearing, we've seen five weeks of competition, everybody's been feeling each other out. And I think now is the moment, Tom, you know, especially on, on, we're about to get to Restaurant Wars in a couple of weeks. Let's take inventory of the field. And it is really it is well advised to do that with someone who understands the competition. And so Malarkey reached out, said he wants to sort of weigh in on this season with the benefit of having uh, last season. And, and that's what we're going to do. As a two-time uh, Top Chef contestant, or understanding the ranking, I'm just going to say that the Elves did an amazing job casting this whole thing. My boy Carlos could have won the whole thing. Hopefully he gets on next season. I, I love listening to Gregory say, I auditioned five times before I got on. Elves, Carlos belongs on your show. But I've broken this down into a four-segment, I mean a three-segment section right here. I'm going to give you who's in the finals, who's going next, and who's in the middle. So I've, I've got it. I think you guys will have the same exact ideas of what's going on here because, as you said, it's materialized. And now people are like, why are you asking Malarkey for this? The guy, he got kicked off again, you know? But you're right. It's a game. And I watched the game. And I made it a lot farther than I was supposed to because of game play. So that's very uh, – has a lot to do with everything. It's – they're all great chefs, but how do you play the game? And that's what's important here. I think what you're revealing here is that you might have a ranking, but you actually have tiered it out. Kevin, this is what you're you're uh, you're trying to demonstrate is tiering these these contestants might actually be more uh, informative than ranking them one to ten. So, Malarkey, you've got your best picks to make the finals, then to uh, get in that next group of just has-beens, I guess, just runners-up before they get to the final uh, the final 
stage. And then you have your tier that is going to be eliminated here soon, in your opinion. Yes. But there's always a Stephanie Kumar that's going to really upset the whole game. All right? <laughs> Somebody that's going to get desserts all the way through. And my power ranking was great except for my my over-ego of myself. <laughs> I nailed the power ranking. I had them all where they were supposed to be except for Stephanie Kumar and myself. <laughs> Wait, so so give me give me like the backstory of your power rankings. Like, Did you do this in the first season that you were on Top Chef or only in this most recent season when you're on All-Stars? I'm a sports person like you, uh, like you guys. And so I love to rank people and I love to see what's going on. And I've always done that. And, um, and so when you're sitting around in this house with no TV, no music, no iPhones, no computers, none of these things, you have a notepad. And so what you write in this, I mean, I wrote novels in this notepad, but one day I'm like going, I'm going to power rank these people and like, who's going to go next? Because I am playing the game inside of the game. And so that's where it all started was like going, who do I think is going to go? I mean, you might as well have fun with the whole thing. Yo, where do we want to start? Want to knock out the bottom right now? Tom, you like that bottom up? Yeah, let's work bottom up. So these are the contestants that in your mind. Why don't we do this real quick just to refresh everyone's memory. Everyone's busy following multiple shows. Uh, let's just quick, quickly run through the 10 contestants who are left. Uh, we've got Avi Sharhi of the Molecular Gastronomy. We have Don uh, from Houston, Texas, uh, who, who's been doing great work, had some time management issues early. The Olympian. You got Gabe uh, from Austin, who's doing kind of, you know, modern Mexican, uh, really strong out the gate. Uh, Nelson, one of uh, Tom's picks, uh, who, who's doing Dominican food out of Oakland. We got Byron, who won, uh, I, I believe, uh, with, with uh, his quick fire last, last week. Uh, we have Sarah, the self-deprecating chef, uh, you know, on the winery in Portland, we've got middle Maria who, who is above the middle this week. Um, and uh, with her Sonoran hot dogs, we got Shota, my number one pick. We've got Gabriel, uh, this year's heel. And we've got Chris who won the previous week, uh, works out of New Hampshire has had some real thunkers, but also has had some real nice moments too. So those are our 10. I love it. Brian, let's hear it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three on the bottom, three in the middle, and then I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to give you the top four in order. Okay, let's hear it. So the next three to go. And I was surprised that Jamie got hit right here, all right? I didn't. I thought she had more steam in the engine than this. I thought she was going to go, so I don't know what's going to happen uh, in Last Chance Kitchen, but I think she's a runner right there. But my next three to go are Dawn, Nelson, and Gabriel. Mm, interesting. I have Nelson, Gabriel, and Maria in that next in that tier. Kevin, what about you? I mean, I don't have Dawn anywhere near. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have Avishar as a much more likely uh, earlier out, just because there, there's some uh, prone to mistakes, does some really interesting stuff, but also just you know every third dish is kind of a disaster. So I mean, to me, Dawn is is far higher rank, and I'm not just saying that because I, I acquired her through a trade a couple weeks ago. Um, I just see Avishar is much more vulnerable to sort of the the screw up among 10. It's very hard for me to see a scenario where Dawn makes the worst of eight dishes. Let's just say that. Again, I go right back to the time management. I just don't think she's she's playing the game quite right. And again, amazing chef. All these people are amazing chef. No disrespect to anyone, but it's going to be gameplay. And I'm also going to tell you, there's a gameplay inside of gameplay that the elves play. And that's called Who's Amazing on Camera? And Avishar is amazing on camera. 
<laughs> oh, interesting. So he's getting more face time, but not nec- he's getting the ball a lot more, but not necessarily the best player. Avishar Daniel. Uh, he, he's doing very well on the camera and he's funny and he's a, he, the guy's a self-confessed alien. All right. Let's just see what's going on here. <laughs> Wait, but, but Brian, I would argue you are also someone who is very good on camera too. Are you saying that, you know, you know, his game. I made it to the finals and I wasn't even in the finals. Let's just put that in perspective. True. Well, what, what do you think? What do you think, Gabriel? I think he's a fascinating contestant this season because he's the hometown chef, but also a bit of a micromanager on the team play. He, you know what? It all comes down to editing. You've been on that. You're you're filmed. You know, eighteen hours a day, and you're going to give a lot of personality, and you never know what they're going to put into that three minutes, four minutes, five minutes of that time you're going to get in that show. And he's he's. You have to have fun on the show. And that's why I'm going to miss Jamie because she just was smiling, making her funny noises and being great. Gabriel is kind of a, he's the heel, you know, like I was the heel early on in my season. He's presenting himself as uh, like kind of the grind, grind, grind. And in the team sport, he's going to have hard time because a lot of people don't want to work with him. It might be, you know, um, uh, kind of like in my season, uh, you know, there was not a lot of people that wanted to work with me because I was going to potentially upset the whole thing, you know. Um, but I just think that he's going to have a tough time in this next uh, next round uh, with the team sport. I actually think Gabriel and Nelson are going to be the two eliminated of the next show. Oh, interesting. Okay. I saw the preview for, next, uh, for the next episode and Gabriel and Nelson are a team. And I have a feeling that those two don't have the dynamics or the go-how to finish the next one. And I'll even tell you the winner of the next one. It's going to be Byron and Maria. I can just tell by – you You guys read the previews and what's going on, and I do believe the elves are throwing little magical dust up in the air to look at. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I've never been I've, – I've always wanted to be better at reading the previews than I have, like like sort of going to the Subruder film and saying, ah, oh, there was a smile from Padma at the judges' table. You could sell. So I, I've always been really lousy at it. Every time I try to project based on what I think I'm seeing in the promos, I'm always wrong. Well, that one where they're like, uh, so are you quitting malarkey? Uh, I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Tom, where, where's your sort of next, next two or three to go? Yeah, so I have Nelson, Gabriel, and Maria – um, working from the bottom up. So I have Maria at eight, Gabriel at nine, and Nelson at 10. Um, but I, I wanted to clarify here, where do you have Dawn, Brian? Is, is she? I have her going because I just think she's she's quiet. She's, she's not running the gauntlet. She's not winning. She's not losing. I just don't see her as, I think Maria's food's more dynamic. And I do see Maria leaving soon because you have to cook for the judges. You're not cooking for yourself. And that brings me to the point. This could be the greatest season ever of Top Chef because this is not a Padma, a Tom, a Gale. It's all of these other great Top Chef former contestants are judging. And I think that's more relevant now than ever because Tom said Avishar's ice cream was insane and he lost. That was huge. You know? I want to, I, I, I got to disagree with your police work there man like i'm gonna stand up for dawn she won the food of the africa diaspora episode with the braised goat and crispy roti she comes back the next week 
you know, does a really solid, uh, you know, in fact, I was shocked that she didn't kind of, um, you know, sort of make the uh, make the cut because she came back with her caramelized apple risotto and glazed duck that that, that Richard Blaze is absolutely swooned for and said it would have been in his top three. Then he comes back. She does the duo of popcorn. She actually wins with a duo of popcorn. I just think Dawn is doing far more dynamic cooking than you feel like she's doing. I understand there's always the little uh, itch in the back of my head that, ah, is this going to be the week she doesn't get it on the plate again but even when she doesn't get it on the plate she's not even finished on the bottom in fact has dawn been on the bottom for any quick fire or elimination challenge tom i don't know that she has well i mean this is for brian to to fact check i mean he's 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 the expert here come on in fact i what i dare i say she is the only contestant who has not been on a bottom been called out as a quick fire there were dishes that were less successful i mean kevin she she committed two cardinal sins early on. And they still didn't cost her. Like, that's how good she is. But is that a signal of something larger? No, no, I agree. I agree. Look, look, that, that is the one concern. But I just think the quality of her cooking has been so strong that, you know, look, it, and she has modified that. She had a couple of burps early in the time management issue. I think it's solved. In the evolution of any great contestant, there was a moment when they were no longer or not yet a great contestant. Well, Kevin – I actually have her number five on my power ranking. So you're not going to get an argument in general right. on Don. It's just Brian. Just pushing you know back what? You got, you got to rank them in some order. You know, as much as you love a chef, it, there has to be a 10. There has to be a nine. There has to be an eight. So Brian, who's in that next tier that isn't going to quite make the final, but also going to be in the middle of the pack here? Chris Maria Abishar. Yeah, I, I got no, I, I got no complaints there. I mean, I think what, we, what you're setting yourself up is you and I have the, the the same top four. Yeah, Tom, where are you on this? I have Dawn at five, Abishar at six, Chris at seven. So the the issue with um, that I'm having with uh, with Dawn is the same that, that Brian brought up, but uh, Byron I feel like is in that next tier for me, and I I actually think that Chris. Even though he had a little bit of a slow start in the beginning, he's come on strong. But I just don't think that, um, you know, I, I don't think that he has the same skill set as some of the people higher on the list. Avishar, Avishar is kind of the wild card. Like I feel like he can be, he can win this whole damn thing, or he could just flame out in the next episode. I really don't have a good grip. I have to correct. Actually, I don't have. I, ha- I have Dawn in my top four. Uh, I have Byron kind of in that next year. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Avishar is this, and that's why I have him 8, 9, 10, is I just think there there have been too many just absolute fails. I think his best cooking is up there, you know, I'm going to say with anybody's, but but is really strong. He's got, to me, the greatest range in, in terms of performance. There are just absolute strokes of genius, and there are things that just shouldn't even be on a plate. And um, that's dangerous when you're going up against, um, you know, 10 contestants in a, in a capricious thing where they might stick you out in the wilderness or or whatever the hell else um chris i still chris is sort of chris is the is the chef i'm rooting for because i just feel like there are there are so many strengths i think they're generally just really good technical cooking um but then yeah there are these fails um also some bad judgment right Like, like even this week like what are you doing you're gonna light a charcoal grill in the rain like you're going to do ribs, you know, Malarkey, Tom and I had this contest the the other day. If someone says to you, don't make a messy entree. And you make ribs. Right, like, like if, if, I, if I did this kind of family feud style, name an American entree 
that is messy. Yeah, you go right there. Hit it up. Hit number right. one. <laughs> exactly. So, so that was sort of my my issue with Chris is I think he's a I think he's one of the four best technical chefs in the competition. I just think there's sort of there there have been moments of head scratching where it's just like hey like read the competition like this is the challenge um here's where you might put yourself as a disadvantage if you do x and then goes and does x um so anyway i i just I, but i do think chris has top four potential but he's not in my top four i have dawn ahead of him uh maria exactly where i would have her she's maria in the middle she is going to last several more weeks um i do think she's a, a, a i'm with you tom five six seven and byron i really like um but i do i don't want to have recency bias um, I think he's semi-creative. I don't think he's overwhelmingly creative, um, but I think he's good. And uh, I have him above the, the the bottom three. Brian, can you review your tiers so far that we have learned for us here? Uh, I said on the bottom, I was going to take out uh, Nelson, Don, and Gabriel. We're going to be the next ones to go. I actually think Gabriel and Nelson will be next because of the double elimination in the next episode. Calling a shot. In the yeah. middle, I have Avashar, Chris, and Maria. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh, what it is, is that, um, there's telltales also, and I don't know if the elves are going to like me saying this, but social media, who's hanging out with who? Now I followed all these people cause I want to learn more about them, but there's some telltales on, on the Insta. I'm just going to say who's doing dinners with who, and the farther that you go, <laughs> stronger the bond. And that's, that's why I have that. That's why I have Byron going on in there. So He's hanging out 
Shota. He's hanging out with Sarah. He's all over. Wow. So, so you're, that smile is pretty good. You're telling me, Brian, that because of the Instagram um, restaurant meetups or the the uh, the, the current in, in in real time when you see Byron doing uh, a show to dinner in in Washington or whatever it is that's an indication a little hint that he might have built a long-standing relationship with Shoda and the more of these like dinners meetups pop-ups that you see with these chef testants you're saying oh. that means that they are Long for this world. All right, all right. I can tell you, Malarkey, you've just blown my world up. I've been doing this podcast. How long time have we been doing this? Four or five years yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and now, like, there are these tea leaves sitting in the corner of my office that I have not yet examined for five years because I hate social media and I just, I just detest it. But now I'm realizing it is the clue to everything. And so now I am going, oh man, this is, this is opened up. Tom, I don't know that this is a Pandora's box I want it opened. Now I can't unlearn this. I can't unlearn the fact that I can go to someone's Instagram profile and glean really important information about results and outcomes. Oh my God. I don't know what I'm going to do with this information, Tom. Brian, did you do this? Like, did you only do... No, I look at all the... Because I know what my relationships are like with people. The farther that you go. Now, I love everybody from my season, but the people who left early, I don't have this deep bond with. I mean, you know, um, Pasta Joe, I knew him for two days, you know? You know, the rest of them, you know, Brian Baltaggio and I are going to hang out with our families together. We're like best friends. And because it's not like there's an episode every day those are every week and we're confined in this space for a long period of time again with no distractions from the outside world so you really really get to know the people you're with the longer you go that's interesting mind-blowing okay um wow i again information i cannot unlearn tom i don't know how we're gonna even handle this, this i is know just, i it's almost yeah anyway so right. maybe brian malarkey needs to be a, cons- an, uh, a social media consultant for for bravo magical elves yeah oh they're gonna they're gonna call me up and go, what the heck are you thinking <laughs> because hey. i'm not on set i have no idea i'm on the backside of everything i don't have any intel i have no idea so that's why it's more fun to play this game i Tomorrow is the greatest day in sports of the year. Tomorrow is my favorite day of the year in sports. I am a huge horse racing fan, and the first Saturday of May, the first Saturday of May is the Kentucky Derby, and essentially we're betting on our horses right here. I fucking love you, Brian Malarkey. I'm just going to exit the podcast and let the two, and let the two of you just take it from here. See, see, Kevin was giving me shit last episode because he's like Kentucky Derby overrated. Tom, get over it. And I'm sitting here being like, man, is there anything more iconic in America than the Kentucky Derby? What? Yeah, yeah. So, do you have a connection to the Derby, or are you just always like horse racing? Or I'm at my mom's house in Oregon right now. I grew up on a ranch. I'm a cowboy. I have horses and cows and everything here, and I have a lot. Do you know that my uncle was a track photographer at Churchill Downs for eight years? I personally shot the finish line of like eight Kentucky Derbies. I would go out there as like a celebrity chef, walk the red carpet, then I put on my Canon vest, 500 millimeter lens, and shoot the Derby. And I know all the jockeys. I'm friends with them. Del Mar, lots of fun. I've owned two of the slowest racehorses in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> as you're as you're saying all this, you have two um, two paintings or pictures behind you of horse of, of jockeys on horses. 
this is this is a revelation here, Kevin. I am so. I mean, from the first two episodes of last season of Top Chef to now, I don't think I've had much much stronger of a whiplash on a on a contestant than Brian Malarkey. This is fantastic. I love it. So uh, you know, I, irony is season three of Top Chef. I got kicked off by the Cowboys in Aspen, Colorado. And I'm a cowboy. I'm the I'm the Oregon State champion cowboy three years in a row, high school rodeo. And I got kicked off by the Cowboys. The best rodeo contestant we've ever had on this on this podcast, Kevin. I'd like to venture. That's fantastic. Yes. So wait, so wait, wait. We got Byron. Wait, do we say Byron's in that next tier here, Brian? You all have it your top four. You have Byron, correct, Tom? Yeah, my top four. I have it. Byron's actually my second tier. So it's a little confusing, but I have a top three. That Byron is not in in the first tier. Byron's in that second tier for me with Don Avishar and Chris. So Byron is my fourth. So you have a four, five, six tier. Yes. Okay. So Brian, what do you got? Start with your fourth place. Yeah, uh, counting down. And the double elimination is going to be huge. But then also, who plays front of the house in restaurant wars? That's mm-hmm. huge. You know who I'm going to put as? Uh, that's why Byron's going to get a skate through, just like I did. Uh, restaurant con front of the house. You tell me you don't put Byron in the front of the house, the big old smile. He's great with people. He's going to crush that one. Tom and I are of different philosophy about restaurant wars. Now, I I know there's no – I'm not speaking with regard to competitive spirit. But the play for restaurant wars is don't be the executive chef. Don't be front of the house. Be a conscientious line cook. You're not going home. I don't care what happens. You're in the middle. You hide out. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, I think there's some nobility in hiding out every once in a while. You obviously can't win the tournament this way, but you can – um, I, I just think front of the house. Look, it's I think where everybody kind of turned on you to the for the positive last last set season. I think getting to see you at the front of the house in Restaurant Wars was a moment when your favorable ratings among the Top Chef Nation totally spiked up. I think it was that 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 is. I mean, Tom, am I right here? Like oh, the yeah. minute everyone got to see you in action at the front of the room, it's like that guy's not a heel. That's the guy I want to see when I check in at the hostess table. Like that's who I want to see. So I, I, it was. It's a very interesting. I think you you might be underestimating how difficult that role is for most people, even chefs, to perform. Like like Malarka, you're an extrovert. Like for people like me, that's terrifying. Yeah, but I, I see I see Byron and Shota and those those two. Those guys would crush the front of the house. They are lively, happy, smiling, easy money. You're gonna fail. The restaurant wars. You fail. They're, they're, you're you're built to fail. So how do you fail gracefully? Because they're going to send too many people at you too fast, and it's just everything's too much. So how do you just malarkey it and just BS your way <laughs> all the way through it and just make sure that they don't see you failing? You know, I was up against Karen. You could tell that she was failing. <laughs> I was failing, but I was smiling. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. Did you serve first in Restaurant Wars? Did you did you have the judges first? Uh, we did get them first the best thing ever you want the judges first uh there is you want them i mean there's there's great opportunity in both because if they come second you're smooth you actually have a rhythm but you're probably backed up if you get them first you just stop serving everybody else you make sure the judges are on time and then you just you catch up the rest of the day yeah i think the the stats bear this out on topchefstats.com they say it is actually statistically significant you want that first the first seating of of the judges i would agree okay so we have byron and then you have like here here's where i'm struggling i got to see a little bit more of gabe last week 
his theatrics when he's he's on the mic, he seemed to be a lot more gregarious and more extroverted than I thought, which gives him a leg up on Sarah. To me, my my four is Byron, three is Sarah, and two is Gabe, which leaves Shoda at number one. Brian Malarkey, give me your final four here in order. I love you guys. I love the way you play this whole game. I love your whole podcast. I'm telling you, this is going to be a nice upset. Kevin, you 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 blew it again. <laughs> Shoda does not win. He's a one-trick pony. He's a speed horse. Let's call him that. He only cooks Japanese. And in order to win Top Chef, you have to have a big arsenal of mini arrows in your quiver, we'll call it. And Gabe's going to come in second. Shoda's going to be third. And Sarah is going to be quiet and gracefully win this whole thing. Coming from behind, speed horse, Philly in the big race. Here she comes. She's going to win it. Wow. Kevin, what do you think about that? I mean, I, 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 like, I like this brand of thinking. Um, now, I, I, I have Dawn as my, uh, in, in, in lieu of Byron in my top four. And I, for reasons we've already discussed, and, and I think intelligent people can disagree about her, her sort of ceiling in this competition. I think it's really high. Um, you know, Sarah does, you know, now that you're mentioning it, Sarah does have sort of the portrait of as the, as, as the competition gets more and more refined and you get a little more freedom to make, you know, it's not, hey, cook with a blindfold on in the in the belly of a submarine with one hand behind your back and you can only use the ingredients in your disposal, right? Like Sarah is the chef who can, you know, the executive chef who can assemble full meals. She's got a really – she's got a broad palate. She's got a lot of tricks. Um, she can cook a lot of different kinds of food. Um, and so I do – I kind of like this theory. Like it would not surprise me if – Shota, I mean, you really think he's that limited in range, Malarkey? Yeah, he got in trouble this last week, and he really just kind of goes to what he knows. I've eaten his food. I've met him. His food is on point. And I'm telling you, all of these people, I think I would die to eat Gabe's food. Gabe's food is the most exciting food to me. But to win this, Gabe is very specific. Shota is very specific. Sarah is broad. And in order to win top, you have to be able to do several varieties Fast food, quick food, beautiful food, you know, whatever the challenge is. And she has the ability to adjust. Right. I mean, let's use Melissa King as an interesting example, because I think coming into that competition, she was someone, you know, if you who I think maybe said, hey, in, in terms of she, she does largely Asian cooking. I'm, I'm just I'm not making this argument. I'm just doing it as devil's advocate or just as a standard of argument. Um was she – I mean, in other words, I don't know that I would have looked at Melissa and said, hey, this is a chef extremely broad. Like to me, she was a chef who do, knew exactly what she was doing. She did a specific thing and she did it well. But you would argue that, no, she had more broadness. She did pasta. She did lots of different things. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Yeah. And I'm just going to tell you this. She whooped us. She whooped us. <laughs> she is, is <laughs> so good. You, you, I knew I knew like early that it was not – you were not – I. She had one that salad on that stupid camp up at Big Bear. <laughs> Kick her off right now. Kick on. Like I needed her to stumble. I needed her to stumble because we were not going to get by her. That was the dish where it was like Michael Jordan scoring sixty three points in the playoffs against the Celtics. We're like, oh my god! Like this is a this is an alien on another planet. Yeah, she was crushing us. Uh, but she did make that horrible salad that one time. But she had a nice also her her porridge that she made too. 
but I was, I was one, she was in the bottom and that was the only time she was up in the bottom. I was like, welcome, check it out. This is going to hurt a lot. <laughs> she was just hanging out with me for a while. See, I have different tiers. I have like my top four. I have Shota and Gabe. And then I have Sarah and Don. Mm. And it's probably more Shota, Gabe, Sarah, and then Don. But uh, yeah, again, I, I just felt like Shota's technicality is just something that's going to just carry him for a very good long while. And I guess you wouldn't argue with that. You would just say it can only carry you so far. He's going to make a mistake. I just feel it. He's going to go. He already did. In the last episode, he made a, a, a huge mistake, and he and he skated on through. And Gabe's not going to make a mistake, but he's going to get too funky like the chicken liver Chiro. You know, it's going to strike somebody wrong, whereas Sarah just makes good food every time, you know? And that's very important. You don't have to win every day, but you just don't lose. Do you, so you're arguing that the best chance – to win Top Chef is not necessarily having a high ceiling. It's more having a high floor. It's a consistency. And st- like that, Melissa was just, she was above perfect all the time. She was just right. There. Like I taste her food and I was like, damn, it's not jump out great, you know, but it's really good. And then you have dummies like me who are like, I'm going to win everyone. And that's the one, you know, it's fun to play the game hard, but you're going to foul out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Brian, I'm, I'm wondering, did you know you were the heel when you were taping or were you like surprised by how you were uh, portrayed on the show? How can I not be the heel? I mean, look at me. I mean, I mean, like I'm so easy. I'm made to be the heel. All right. I'm, I'm apple pie gone wrong, you know? So <laughs> there's so many different ways. And I, I laugh at myself. My kids laugh at me. My wife laughs at me. I'm just enjoying life. My last name's Maloney. I was born the heel, you know? It's funny though. It was one of my favorite things about last season season 17 was watching padma's amusement at you at all times like (laughs) like she couldn't you know there are times where if a contestant is perceived as obnoxious padma will kind of let them know that they are with you it was just she was having too much fun with the fun you were having to possibly be either annoyed or even bemused by you like 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 watching that when you would be on the chopping block like padma couldn't keep a straight face and that was one of my favorite things about last season she secretly loves me (laughs) we have to have an awkward conversation malarkey okay because one of the little like under the radar conversation pieces about last season was and 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 to put it in so many like it just in in very general senses oh yeah that dude's worth more than the rest of us combined and like (laughs) the, the, the the degree to which this started dominating cocktail party top chef conversation was kind of people who did Google searches of your net worth. Like, so, so, I mean, and I, and I realize this is awkward and, and in America, we don't like to talk too much about, you know, you don't count other people's money and like, but I, I just kind of want to get, what is the origin of this? And like, can you tell us to the extent that you were comfortable doing so? Like not certainly net worth, but tell us, are, are you like, is this, what did Padma mean when she made that, that comment? Are you buying Amazon is what Kevin wants to ask. Oh yeah, I thought we were going to talk about my fake teeth or my my Botox or something else. I thought we were going to have more fun. <laughs> we can if you want. Tom did really set me up on that one, saying I was worth more than all of them. Oh, it was Tom. Okay. I've had a lot of great uh, success in the restaurant business, and I've been able to sell some of my my brands, my fabric brands, for great for really good money. But I am not worth what they mentioned. I mean, I wish I was. My wife wishes I was. Um, we all wish I was. But uh, I do feel that I uh, 
they're, they're, it's hard to be successful in business in this in this industry. And there are some that are killing it. You know, Stephanie Izzard, uh, Fabio, uh, Richard Blades. Some of us have done very good for very well for ourselves. And um, I'm opening more restaurants. I have a product launch coming out. I I created a online. Uh, whole system here called uh, Chef in a Box after Justin Timberlake and Saturday Night Live. <laughs> uh, I'm launching into 1,700 Kroger stores, a new uh, product line also that's going to actually give back to the hospitality industry here uh, through this uh, charitable event called um, Golden Rule. And so we're launching our own uh, olive oil, cooking oil, and blending oil called Chef's Life. I'm just releasing it here, so I'm very excited. Uh, 1,700 stores. I, I'm a thinker. And so I, I do do well, and I love what I do, and I'm a very good businessman in the fact that Top Chef that we watch is about making a dish, but a real chef is about making a business. Mm. I imagine there are chefs, though, that would kind of – whose sensibilities would be offended by that statement. It, it's more easy to cook great food than to manage the staff, manage the books, manage everything, you know? And so as we call it Top Chef, I love the show, but is it really top chef? No, it's top It's top dish, it's top cook, it's top what are you doing today? Because a chef is an inspirator, a motivator, a business person, many different faucets of life. Um, and so I think I'm, I'm built for that. I'm very good at that. I'm, I'm, I'm a better restaurateur than a chef. I just did top chef for fun. You know, I entertained myself by it. If you could put a number on it, how many restaurants have you opened? Over 30. Wow. 15 concepts. Uh, Currently, we have four. We had eight before COVID, um, and we've got a bunch of new ones coming out right now. We've got fast cash. We've got all these things. Um, you know, and what I love and dislike about Sarah winning this year is I'll be the third loser of Top Chef in San Diego. Now it'll be Richard Blaze, Sarah, Brian Malarkey, Richard Sweeney, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so I'll be the third best Top Chef in San Diego. So I was, I'm the second best Top Chef in San Diego right now. And I was always upset that Richard Blaze moved to town. But uh, yeah, um, I, 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 we do well in the restaurant business. And I'm very excited to see it coming back. And you know, for everybody to go out there and support your local restaurants, go out and eat, support the local hospitality industry as much as possible, be safe. And you know, the Roaring Twenties Part Due are here upon us. Get ready to start having some cocktails, dancing on the tabletops. <laughs> you guys got to get out there, support, celebrate life because it's going to be an epic party for the next five years. And then we'll see what the stimulus money does to our economy. Wow. That's great. No, it's – first of all, I need to come down. We're going to bring the puppy down to like bark at the park for a Padres game at some point and all those cool dog beaches you all have down there. Ocean Beach. And so, so when I do this, I, I, I do need to come in to one of your herbs. Yep, herb and literally blow your mind. Yeah, I do. I need to. I need to eat more in San Diego. Is kind of I think is the thing I need to do. Very up and coming town. Uh, it's doing great. Richard just opened up a new restaurant there. Also, uh, Sarah hasn't cooked there for a long time, but we're very proud of her as San Diego's. San Diego is really uh, stepping it up because people, unfortunately, because of uh, the economy and the crisis. Are kind of leaving San Francisco and LA right now, and San Diego is one of the last stop destinations for those willing to pay the exorbitant amount of sunshine tax and uh, still need the ocean. The next stop is uh, Texas, Oregon. So I have a sushi place that I love in San Diego, Sushi Ota. You know it? Oh, we all know it. <laughs> oh man, that, that is honestly, I, I, I I've eaten sushi a lot of places. Sushi Ota is just fantastic. I um, it, it kind of is my beeline first stop when I go. 
I'm not far from Ota, so I'm just right down there. Oh, man, he is good. Brian, do you think this is an extraordinary year in Top Chef because there haven't been multiple winners? Like, we've had six winners on five five episodes. Uh, When you first started watching this season, did you see that this would be a flattened playing field, or is is uh, is this totally predictable? No, I was with Kevin straight up. I was Shota all the way. I was like, this is going to be a boring season. I thought he was just going to crush, crush, crush. Gabe is so Gabe and Shota are just another level. They are so good, and their food is so exciting and so today and so fresh and so great. Um, but the fact that you have all of the other Top Chef judges is what makes this season so exciting is because there's so many different opinions and so much input and it's really a great melting pot because I think you guys said a, a week or so ago going, yeah, you always had that other fourth judge who was just whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, now you have all of these judges that are going for the whole ride. They're going with you and experiencing the whole thing. And their influences will be there. So I think it's a broader group mm. of judges that their opinions will matter. And that's why it's really exciting. And that's why people are really playing to different strengths right now more democratic yeah it's a great season i'm really really enjoying it i'm from oregon and i was so sad to not be able to see people going to more destinations in portland because of covid and stuff like that because it is Mm -hmm. i considered portland one of the top three food cities in the u.s before covid hit uh i mean it's it's to me it's really it was like new york uh austin texas and portland oregon i mean those are the places i wanted to go eat to know fresh what's happening what's going on and then you can't go see those great restaurants because of the lockdown. But I think they're doing a great job of showing Portland. Yeah, it is a, such a great place to drink. And also just everything. I mean, the the quality of wines you have within an hour of the downtown is is, is unbelievable. Um, I mean, low food, high food, Asian food. I mean, it's just it – is, it is so punching above its weight as a city in terms of cuisine. And I do- Gregory as the ambassador of Portland, Oregon. Yeah, that's also the other great thing. Is this Gregory is sort of like he's like the host. He is the host team. Malarkey, closing thoughts. I mean, can we do this more often? Is I think our question. I just absolutely love it. I love you guys so much. I, I listened to Richard Blaze just uh, the other day with you guys. Uh, you guys just have such a great perspective on the whole thing, and I love how you uh, kind of just weigh in on everything. So great job, gentlemen. Keep it up. Have fun. Uh, it's a very entertaining show. It's got a great run going on. And let's just celebrate the victory of Chef Sarah when she wins this whole thing. Wow. Oh, he's <laughs> calling his shot. Calling his shot. All right. Hey, Malarkey, thank you. For Tom Abistro, this is Kevin Artemitz, and this is Hack Your Knives. TV and they were just like shut the fuck up like <laughs>Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.